You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. Last week was about the wildest I've seen for a week where there's no crisis and where the market actually finishes up. The market yo-yoed following the ups and downs of tech giant earnings, and it was certainly fun to watch as long as you don't own Facebook shares but also a reminder of the questions around the current market moment. So, in this week's episode of The Razor's Edge, we crack into Google, Amazon, and Facebook's reports, getting into the company's respective positions and what the market reaction suggests. Akram also breaks down how he views the market setup for the next two quarters, which, I think, will come as an interesting conclusion considering the rest of our analysis. Disclosure for this week's episode, I'm along Dell, Twitter, and Apple. Akram is along Twitter. Here we go. Akram, uh, how are you doing? Good. Exciting week we just came off. So we're recording this Monday. We're going to turn this around next day. But last week, the first week of February, the 31st, first week of February 2022, we had, I think I inexpertly called it something between a tug of war and a game of follow the leader crossed with musical chairs where the remaining fang stocks reported earnings you had meta platforms facebook well, first you had alphabet google report on tuesday after the bell market loved it market had a great day wednesday meta platforms reports wednesday market hates it facebook drops more than 20% 26% i think the number was the market drops, NASDAQ was over 3% down, and then Amazon comes in after the bell Thursday, market likes that. You also have the weird jobs report by that point, unexpectedly strong jobs report on Friday. But So we've got three different pictures. We've been talking so long about the sort of distortions that have come to bear on individual companies through this COVID period. What do you where, pick one of those names and give it give a take? What did you think? Would you make of any of the you you pick where to start the quarter the reaction? You tell me where you want to go. I mean, obviously, Facebook from from a street perspective was the most surprising. Uh, you know, some could argue that they've been kind of conditioning you consistently. With respect to that, uh, they did give a guidance which Google didn't. So, like you know, Google comes along and reports this hunky dory. Um, as expected, Google quarter, I think 
the one thing that did jump out of it was YouTube was only up like 25%. So by the way, like we, we opened up in most of the social media stuff, uh, online advertising, uh, the next morning and then like went straight down all day. Right. So like there was kind of a Google is, is unique across the board, but you know, this little piece of Google not doesn't portend as well or, uh, you know, these related names. I like if YouTube is down to this growth rate, you know, what's, what's the industry looking like right now. And since Google doesn't guide, uh, that kind of set up a, you know, a bit of, a bit of a volatility. And then, you know, then kind of went into that Facebook, which then shellacked everything. And then the next day, you know, you have Snapchat, Pinterest, which have been just kind of like consensus uh, hammered. Numbers have been coming down like, you know, week after week for the last two and a half months. And, you know, you get this like less, ba less bad than feared, you know, stuff like Snapchat was down what, like 27% uh, Wednesday during the day. And then like, you know, it shoots up 60% and all said and done, you look at this stuff and like, you know, it's like a 10% move. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it was pretty, some, pretty big yo-yo effect there. Yeah. And then you have Amazon, you know, it goes up 15%, but like it was down 8% on the day going into the print because of Facebook. And there's all this like hyper-focus, like everything in the market is resting on these names. And uh, I mean, I, I'd say collectively, you can just say that like a lot of them, you know, like the COVID, COVID outperformance cycle in the operating business, these like big numbers, right? Like that's over. So, I mean, you can drill into some, you know, little pieces like cloud and whatever, like people are impressed with AWS, you know, a one bit sequential increase in the, in the year over year, but like that, that space is still kind of a laggard, right? So like capacity, uh, you know, for digital infrastructure, you know, has been kind of a laggard. So... I don't know, like, are we supposed to get super bearish when, when the inevitable slowdown occurs there over the next uh, six to 12 months? You know, I don't think like yeah, that so, should be the case. So in that context where like, you know, the, the takeaway we're seeing sort of with YouTube, with Facebook, and then, I mean, Amazon also had the bad quarter go, Q3 was really when they got hit hard. And when it felt like the the outsized pandemic moves were kind of fading and their guidance, I don't think was, I don't have the number in front of me, but it wasn't, I don't even think it was a beat on guidance. Like it was, uh, to me, that, that report seemed like not as bad as feared report, um, even more than the snap and Pinterest bounce back. And what do you like, do you think it's just that everybody, I, I saw an investment bank note, I think it was Morgan Stanley saying there's a little bit of Peloton in a lot of companies, meaning that actually, I think that resonates with our listeners because it's the idea that there's a lot of companies who are going to mess up or get taken to the woodshed at some point because there is 
it's hard to predict what's going on. Like, why? What do you make of just the outsized? I mean, Facebook clocked Meta platforms clocked the largest market cap drop, I think, in on record. Um, like, is it just because everybody has their turn, their turn in the spotlight to to melt? Or I mean, look, Facebook gave you, you know, a midpoint guide of like single digit revenue growth, right, for the next quarter, and starting. In, in in Q1, right? So, I mean, the advertising social media platforms have had a dynamic over the last two years. You know, people are like, look at two years facts and whatever. Uh, I mean, the networks grew during COVID. And once their networks grow, I mean, it's, it's the nature of their business. Revenue then follows, right? So, I mean, like, the, the, I mean, we talked about this in the summer, right? That Q2, where everybody was like 60% top line, 50% top line, 100% top line. I was like, yeah, this is about as good as it's going to get straight down from here in terms of growth rate. And I mean, it turns out, by the way, it was, that was an excellent time to, to clear out of the whole space, right? I mean, from then on, it was you know bad news Pinterest, bad news Snapchat incrementally bad news facebook and then like really bad news facebook google's kind of slid through you know on the back of just like the machine that is the search business and uh a lot of focus i'd say in in there there've been a lot of investors who have just been investing on like you know these top line numbers right it's amazing that this growth is at, at scale these type of things i mean you know, part of it is just big numbers, you know, become for, for all the stock of inflation and money printing and crypto. I mean, GDP is what, like three and a half times or whatever it was globally uh, in 2000, right? Like people aren't like sitting here adjusting these numbers and just being like, I mean, the nominal numbers do always go up, right? Uh, and if you're going to have like a lion's share of this piece of the economy, uh, these companies are going to report big numbers. But like, you can't really be focused just on, on, on the nominal numbers and the fact that COVID was a one-off. Like, you, like, you, like you're not going to grow operating income 100% at Google probably ever again, right? So if that's the case, you know, it was this as good as it gets, you know, you, you shouldn't be thinking that way uh, in the aggregate, like you should be trying to value these securities, right? And valuing these securities is like, it gets into digesting a lot of pieces of their business. I mean, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of people love Amazon, it underperformed last year, it was an investment year, but like you look at it and it, it did 25 billion in operating income last year, you know, Facebook is, Facebook X meta, uh, you know, Reality Labs uh, did 60 billion, right? Facebook has a 550 billion enterprise value today. You know, Amazon is like 1.6, 1.7 trillion, right? Microsoft, Google, uh, you know, four or 500 billion bigger. You know, Google, what, like 75 plus billion, uh, Microsoft and like whatever the, 65 billion category and then you got apple you know at whatever two and a half trillion doing 100 billion right 
and you just read all these articles about how AWS is the best business ever invented. And you're just like, oh, I think Google search may probably be the best business ever invented. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, we did get some color actually 40% of CapEx is essentially AWS. So like they'll run your free cash flow numbers. It's a very capital intensive business because you're essentially just reselling servers, right? I mean, yes, there's, there's value added services on top of it. Uh, which make it an appealing and sticky business. But I mean, the underlying core, right, is capital intensive. I mean, it's compute, storage, cooling, electricity, right, network infrastructure across the board. And I mean, at some point down the road, it's going to throw off. I mean, it's going to throw off. It's going to be more of a cash machine. It's going to be a very good cash machine, right, uh, when it's trading x growth right and the capital investment around growth is reduced and you're just kind of milking it as a utility you know like that's the uh, that's the sweet spot from a yield yield perspective for it and i guess that's where you get into kind of the dur durability of a business like that particularly when you think of it from like an oligopolistic fashion in terms of you know, whether you want to comp comp compare it to power or anything else, uh, telcos, et cetera, over the years. But I mean, are you paying up front for it? Right. Like, I mean, people talk about the advertising business and its run rate and you're just like, all right, but like that advertising business doesn't have advertising business margins, you know? Well, and their their advertising business—they're still getting away with it, but it seems to be the most. Uh, you can say this about Google, I guess, as well. But it seems even more in the way of the user experience for the website itself, and like the the trade offs there seem more obvious than what Google has to face, for example, or even Facebook on the advertising yeah, side. It's bundled in, right? Like that. Like that's part of the e-commerce business. So like, you don't look at it and say, oh, you know, the 30 billion ad business, the uh, 50% margin, right? Like you can't break these things out the way people have done it and like valued each one independently. Right, that, because, that's more than AWS depends on the fact that they have the user demand for products. Like, it, yeah, it's, you couldn't spin out the advertising business. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't stand alone. You know, it's part of how they are, it's part of how they run the margin of the overall, you know, several hundred billion dollar uh, e-commerce business, right? And like, you can see that in, in the margin profile. Like, yes, is it going to get better over time? Sure. But you can't just be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll slap because it's growing this fast. They'll put a snapshot multiple on this. And because this is growing this fast, the AWS, you know, 40%, uh, you know, I'll give it uh, a Cloudflare multiple or, you know, half a Cloudflare multiple. Like, it doesn't work that way, right? Like, AWS has a very different free cash flow profile uh, than Salesforce, right? Or Adobe or, or Alassian. I mean, this goes back to conversations we've had around something like Twilio, right? So, like, AWS, like, people, there's a lot of people who look at, Amazon's market cap and are like, Amazon 
uh, AWS is worth the entire market cap. You get the e-commerce and advertising and subscription businesses for free, right? And I don't think you can look at it that way, right? Like, so this is a, like, there's clearly a lot of competition in commerce. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a market leader. They've executed without question. But when you just want to like raw financial compare it, you know, like they burned whatever, eight, nine, 10 billion in, in cash last year. I mean, some of it is working capital dynamics. You know, there was a lot of investment and uh, some of the wonky stuff that, that, that happened in COVID for, for a business like that. But I mean, it's three times the enterprise value of, uh, of Facebook, which, you know, generated 40 billion in free cash flow. <laughs> it's, now, yes, people have, people view, look at Facebook today and they're just like, there's, there's maybe a zero terminal value, right? Like how unlikely it may be. Like, they, like nobody looks at the Amazon businesses and, uh, and thinks that, you know, because it's got, it's got such an infrastructure footprint and uh, it is functioning more like a utility, right? Now, I don't think Facebook has a zero terminal value. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I do think it's like, it's, it's one of these names that is going through this period again, where people are wondering uh, how to value it going forward. And there are concerns. And a lot of the concerns are just like, they're hard to put like a finger on, right? Like FTC suing them. Uh, it's, you know, this antitrust dynamic. Is it FTC or FCC now? FTC. I think FTC. I think it's Lena Khan's shop. I could be wrong. Um, I mean, the, the specific things that seem to come up after the call from Facebook, you know, they talked a lot about competition with TikTok and how they're investing in reels. They just cited, of course, IDFA and the issues with Apple on that front. And then they also, some made the point that maybe they were already making their antitrust defense, but looking at all this competition. But then there's just the pure, we're not growing very fast, or we're saying we're not growing very fast next quarter, and we're still spending a lot next year. And you had, I think, mentioned before that this looks like a spending year for Facebook. Like that they had previewed that. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much telegraphed you, we're not going to grow profits next year, right? I mean, I think some people are still modeling it somewhat. Uh, but, I mean, it's a mediocre, uh, it's a, it'll be their worst year of profit growth as, as a public company, right? If you want to look at it from, from, from that standpoint. Now, like, I mean, this gets into where, you know, security analysis comes into play for a name like this, and you start thinking about how you value it. And it's definitely, uh, I mean, on a trailing 7% implied uh, free cash flow yield, I mean, that's pretty cheap, right? I mean, Facebook could absorb, do a $75 billion stock buyback if they wanted to at this point. Well, and what you just said, you weren't even adjusting, which some people are already doing, and you mentioned earlier, I don't think you're adjusting for the reality labs burn in that number. Like it's, they're- Yeah, so the core business is, uh, you you attack on essentially 10 billion. So like that takes it up to just about, 
you know, a 9% yield, right? So if not, you know, almost 10 based on where it's trading right now today. Do you buy the concern? You know, you mentioned the threat that Facebook has zero terminal value. It's for old people, whatever. When you go down their products, like, what do you make of the, are the threats? Do you so think it's they're- interesting what people try to break it down because they say like, I mean, I, like Facebook did point to some macro things, right? And then they pointed to competition. And when you think about how quickly TikTok has grown, I mean, it's definitely a direct competitor with Instagram from, from a time standpoint. Uh, and particularly if you think about demographics. So Facebook essentially has, you know, it's got two real competitors now uh, in, in terms of Snapchat, which has a lockdown on a core demographic. I mean, I was doing the math. They, like essentially, you know, Snapchat puts himself as like 25% penetrated into mobile phone users, uh, smartphone users in North America. Uh, I, I saw that slide in, in your, in, for their investor deck for this quarter and i was just like all right but like you know over 35 right like who's using snapchat you know so when you think about their penetration under 35 right i mean they're about as penetrated as you're going to get so they have kind of that market on lockdown uh particularly from a messaging standpoint and then uh, TikTok is like, I mean, if you think about TikTok and uh, from what I'm hearing, right, like, I mean, TikTok is on a, is on a run rate uh, for this year that's going to be north of $10 billion, right? So when you think about the scale of that business, I mean, that's the size of the business that can take a chunk out of Facebook and you'll see it, right? Like, that, that would put it at essentially, you know, the equivalent of Snapchat, you know, Pinterest and almost Twitter combined. It's not surprising. And, and particularly when you think about each one of those kind of having their, their separate little uh, uh, user bases, uh, particularly Twitter, not essentially overlapping with the, with the Facebook uh, ecosystem. Uh, it's no surprise that it, like if you have somebody who's come out of there and you know has gone from like 1 billion to 10 under covid you know you're going to notice it in their number versus the impact that's coming from you know and at the same time whatever that's been you know kind of incrementally going to to snapchat as it's growing so like, I think that's part of like, what's kind of reset this valuation, you know, like there's a lot of people who clearly are bullish on uh, Facebook now who are just like, you know, why are you busting down on, uh, on them for any trust when uh, you should be shutting down a Chinese app in the United States? Right. Yeah. That's sort of the, you know? I mean, like that, that's line. come up now from like, a not like necessarily Trump standpoint, but now like, uh, you know, uh, a pro-American company, uh, <laughs> not necessarily competitive, but uh, more of like the exact opposite. Like we're being outcompeted, right? So let's erect barriers, uh, ju just in the same way the Chinese do. So you've got kind of like, I think, I think if there was anything to happen there, and I mean Facebook obviously is in a position to make the case here. 
right? Like that would really change how people value the stock. Like you remove the antitrust and it's very clear that, I mean, thinking just about the cloud businesses and what like, you know, Facebook is giving you a guidance for 30 billion or so in CapEx, right? They're clearly investing very heavily and you saw this, you know, their, their AI cluster, like they need to improve the machine learning because of what Apple's done. And they need to improve it, like, you know, an order of magnitude, essentially speaking. And like, you've read some, some of these threads on Twitter, you know, about people who like talk about the lost signal uh, on the advertising side and like, you know, how like Facebook pre pay was like best ever, right? It's still very good, but like, you know, for some, for some buyers from a performance standpoint, it's like half what it used to be, right? Like it's, it's a measurable impact to go from, you know, uh, just this like, essentially button that you used to be able to push and work perfectly uh, to one that's lost, lost some serious tracking ability. So, I mean, if Facebook has to invest in this way at their scale, right? Like it's going to be very hard to build another Facebook. I mean, if you think about it and with these guys, like, you know, giving up, like, I mean, I was talking to somebody on DM and they're like, tell me how, you know, Facebook is down this much. and they spend this on R and D, uh, and Snapchat spends this, right? And uh, how people are excited about one or the other. And it's like, look, I mean, I I get it, and not even just that in terms of just like, uh, sorry, not R and D, capex, right? And it's like, you know, how is there any comparison? It's like, look, I mean, <laughs> these companies are using public cloud, right? And you've seen you've seen the the raw operating margins on public cloud. Now, Facebook's essentially built their own internet, right? Like that's where they're at from an infrastructure standpoint. And they're now really ramping up, you know, the, the machine learning to essentially build a, build a profile. Uh, you know, most of the people <laughs> use the internet online for advertisers, right? Like, whatever that they had and, and, and fill the gaps that uh, Apple's privacy changes have taken away from them. So I think we, I mean, that's sort of the implied argument there is when we, when GDPR came into play, it sort of people realized that actually reinforces Facebook because they're the only ones who can deal with it. And you're sort of saying the same thing from the perspective of with this IDFA hurdle is that it's still, it's going to suck for now to use blunt language, but uh, ultimately, f- Facebook is going to be able to handle this better than any of the other. Like, people are still going to want to advertise, and Facebook will still be equipped to do it better than the other players. Correct. So, I'm saying there's like kind of two sides to this, right? There's like one side where you're like, you're worried about competition. Then there's the other side, which is like, how do you ever get to be, how, do you, how does anyone ever get to being a Facebook again in, in, in online media? in social really right like there's a it's almost a contradiction you know so like facebook can sit here and complain and they're going to do what they're going to do and you can be like you know i'd rather buy uh you know this up and comer but uh i'm not going to buy facebook because it may be replaced by 
you know, a Snapchat down the road. Like, it's very hard to even remotely consider that, right? I mean, I think TikTok has scaled pretty quickly. It's a very different business, right? I mean, it monetizes that, like, the way that they monetize is at a way lower rate than Facebook was monetizing before. So you can make a case that, like, monetization in general and online advertising gets worse, right? Like that they were over earning. And, and like, it, yeah, and like you essentially have to take this profitability view that is, is shifting. And then it's like, all right, are you going to be a gaming business? You know, are you diversifying along these lines? Like, you know, I mean, I saw the, there's like a couple of VCs, notable ones who are starting to make the public cloud argument, right? And I mean, the bottom line on Facebook is like, they don't have excess capacity, right? Like, I mean, they haven't just been like, hey, you know, come host uh, uh, Snapchat and, and, uh, and Pinterest and whatever else you want here, right? Because uh, we were building this business for our own infrastructure. And it turns out that we have all this idle capacity and you can use our servers, right? I mean, like that hasn't been the case. Yes, they're very good at doing what they're doing. And they could probably they've contributed a ton from an open source standpoint. Like they could go that direction as a business. But like you've seen that business, it's capital intensity today, right? Like you want to add a Facebook in there. I mean, you know, you start dealing with the diminishing returns across the board. For both Facebook and the other players who are already. Yeah. I mean, Facebook, uh, Google, Microsoft, you know. And, and Amazon, and then like you think about the, the Chinese players, Baba, Tencent, et cetera. And then like the tier two, and then like, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're talking like, you know, giant telcos, right? I mean, it becomes uh, no longer as oligopolistic as you start to think. Well, and so that was something we were sort of, Switching sort of gears away from Facebook for a sec, because that was, we were talking before the call about Amazon and sort of the, you've made the, the point that Amazon, like AWS, the CapEx there is pretty high. Like it's not, it's hard to just sort of, it's, it, it's easy for people to imagine it as this sort of powerhouse on its own, but there's still a lot to consider in terms of the costs that go into running it and where it sits and the stack and so on. You're yeah, it's the like opposite of software, right? Like you have high uh, uh, reported operating margins, right? But very low to negative free cash flow, right? And those things like will head more towards a convergence over time, right? And the software companies are generating pretty good free cash flow, but they have very low operating earnings. Right. And the other part of that was also just the sort of and I think you've kind of hinted at it. The growth outlook for that is not like we're in an interesting time for what. So if you look at Amazon's Google's quarter, like again, sort of the power of search. YouTube maybe is a slightly muted note. They didn't post guidance. So it's hard to tell if anything's going to shift under the hood. They didn't, even, they didn't even really talk about it, which I found like a little bit, I'm not going to say dishonest, but just kind of like disappointing. Right. Like when you've had a year like you've had, I mean, why not like condition 
a bunch of investors who are new to the market uh, that it's a one-off. Yeah, it's pretty tough to go from. I mean, they can go. They can go look at the estimate, and they can see how it's modeled to trail off, right? I mean, like uh, that would be helpful, but like a lot of them aren't doing that in general, and even there, like. I don't think they're providing it enough guidance, uh, you know, to to really triangulate what it could look like. And then I think for all of them, there's a bit of uncertainty. I mean, I wouldn't say a bit, significant, right? Like when you look at some of these moves, and uh, people are just like, the volatility is insane. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, COVID is COVID is a is a volatile is a volatile environment, and you're you're shifting gears again. Right. I mean, like I'd say things have are starting to get back to about as close as they were since the pandemic started in terms of uh, human behavior. And it's just going to be incrementally in that direction. You can you can make a peak, you know, like we we're discussing what, what like online time spent is and like, is it going to grow from here or let's call it like an existing generation? Like it's it's hard to imagine it. Uh, I mean, there will be winners and losers in market share, right? But does the total pie grow, or do you look back, you know, in two years, and like average time spent on a smartphone, you know, is ten percent uh, down from, you know, where it was at the, you know, peak of twenty twenty one. I would like to see it go down, but I I I think it I mean I think it probably does just as just as activities whether I mean whether it's as trivial as the more consistent schooling of children in schools again where they're less in front of their screens and then you throw in um yeah just things even the phone's not going to go away again the phone's not going away it's going to be it's still super useful and all these things but yeah you would just think that the yeah, more people have to get off the go away thing right like you know it's the jokes around like the internet was going to go away or, you know uh, the shade at like 2000 articles about internet proving to be a uh, less compelling for users <laughs> and you know, the David Letterman, Internet's a fad with, with Bill Gates. Yeah, I just had um, that going around yesterday. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just kind of stupid, right? Like, you can't, like, that's not how you have to think about these things where, I mean, I, I think it's very important to keep an open mind, right? So there's, a, I'd say if you're thematically growth-oriented, there's just kind of desire after something like just just happened. to be like, oh, you know, everyone underestimated the growth rates for the last five years. Right. So they're going to be underestimating the growth rates for the next five years. You can't, I mean, you just can't do that. Right. Like you shouldn't be thinking about, I mean, the whole dynamic of like, you know, it's first inning in cloud type of thing. Right. It's really not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to say that, you know, you're at 70 billion run rate on AWS and then say it's first inning in cloud. Right. I mean, they're just so contradictory. So you have to be way more objective. And if you're going to buy, an, if you want to value an AWS business, like you should be thinking about like, you know, how how it gets better from a free cash flow, free cash flow profile, right? Uh, when when it's not investing at the rate it is, because 
growth has been so high. And I, I still see people modeling this thing for 10 years at 30%. I'm like, I'll be very impressed if AWS, you know, is, is anywhere over 15. Like, I would just be shocked, you know, if we look back 10 years from today. Just from a, like, rational saturation or because the future, like, a base rate? Or... I mean, you're just kind of thinking about IT spend. You're just thinking about, like, you know, uh, competition in the space, right? Uh, like that it is raw infrastructure and like it, it it's it's one of these things where you also look at cycles right so i mean give me any decade where where you had something come up like you know whether it was the 1960s in computer leasing or or a company like xerox uh the 1990s you know in in the pc tech internet etc uh and the infrastructure spend that went with that like if you look at the '90s, like Cisco was like a seventy percent revenue CAGR, right? And then at the end of the cycle, you know, it was modeled for for two thousand and two thousand ten at a thirty percent CAGR, right? And like it ends up doing like six and a half so, in the two thousands. Correct, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that come into play over time, but like, I mean, it's essentially a dominant infrastructure player right in network infrastructure so there i don't think that there's like when you're when you're in a growth mode like this when you're build out I mean, that's what you really need to be thinking about it right you know cisco benefit of the build out of the internet you know amazon aws has been the build out of you know public cloud infrastructure right i mean it's it's the it's the computer leasing model again you know you're you're, you're taking your servers and you're centralizing them and then you're laying services on top of it, right? But like that's been, if you wanna look at the, from like 2010 to like, let's extend it just a little bit through, through COVID because COVID, you know, is, is a big boost at the end, right? I mean, they were down to growing, uh, I mean, in 2019, I think, you know, they finished the year like close to 30%, right? Like the whole year was 35, 36, but like it was slowing relatively speaking. And then you kind of have this two-year period of COVID where you had this business that was like starting to, you know, approach a more moderate pace of growth uh, for the reasons that that happened to these types of businesses, you know, more competition, uh, just uh, it's tough to keep up uh, that investment pace at that scale, so on and so forth. And COVID kind of boosts it you know, for for two years, and everyone looks at it today, and it's just like this is this is going to keep up, and capacity investment is essentially kind of lagging this demand curve that has just been pretty consistent for for ten years, right? I mean, it's just been up and to the right. So like, there isn't, and and, and I've had some conversations with with people who who buy capacity. Uh, and they're just like, there isn't, we don't have a crystal ball, right? Like, I mean, if you go back to 2000, it's not like these guys like John Chambers or whatever, you know, were complete idiots, right? Like, you're not going to think about single digit growth when all you've done is, you know, 60% for, for 10 straight years. It's impossible. <laughs> you know, like, it's impossible to forecast 
whatever it is that cliff of where it's like, oh, we built out a ton of capacity and it's going to take literally a decade to work through it. And there's a lot of competition now and, you know, things have been rejiggered and uh, investment in the space is just not going to look what it was, what it was like. Initially, you're just like, oh, you know, we hit a speed bump and we'll be back to this. And then there's like, you know, a recession and that's like a year and a half. And then it's like, you know, we're growing again, but like never, never the same. Right. Now, some people look at that negatively, but like, really, it's just like, I mean, markets go through cycles. And like when you're building out anything from an infrastructure standpoint, if you're on a 10 year build out, you cannot model the next 10 years the same way. Yeah, there's only so many people that you can build out for, so many new people that can come on board. Yeah, I mean, businesses are going to fail. There's going to be internet retouchment, right? Like, you'll you'll see a feedback loop. I think that there's been this desire uh, to look at what happened in the market in three months. Like, essentially, you had an asset bubble that popped, right? It got pricked, okay? And, you know, it essentially, from an investor standpoint in, in the space, it feels like you walked off a cliff, okay? That happens over, let's call it a three-month time period. And, you know, the only signal signal you really have around it is inflation and rates. And then a bunch of companies start reporting earnings, okay? And they look the same as they were when you owned them at, you know, three times the stock price or two times the stock price, right? And you're just like, I mean, I saw people get really excited about Bill.com, like sequential acceleration. and etc. And you're like, what? like these guys are reporting, you know, like quarters are based on like, you know, peak enthusiasm in the space and peak COVID momentum, right? Like what you're, what you need to be doing and figuring out, and this is, of course, it's an unknown, right? But it's like, what does this look like in 12 months? You know, like Cisco was growing 60% into the end of 2000, right? Like they reported 60% growth, you know, in that last quarter of 2000. So that was like a full, you know, eight months after the NASDAQ peak, okay? Most of the software players, right? Their market doesn't hit like, it doesn't deteriorate till, you know, late 2001. Not that you should just be just like you know doing a like a historical comparison, right? But like all you have is 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 these data points to look at, and say, look, here's an asset bubble that popped, right? When has that occurred? Like when there has just been like a bunch of supply and uh, a bunch of thematic, you know, focused stuff that got to valuations that you know seem pretty extreme, and what happened afterwards? And I mean, really, your, your, your two analogs in the United States that are, of, of kind of this kind of scale in tech are late 60s and uh, the last two, you know, 99, 2000, right? And then, like, what does the next decade look like? And, you know, maybe, like, what could have been too consensual? Like, I mean, everybody, right? Like, if you actually think about it, everybody's really been investing on the themes of the last 10 years, like, for the last nine months, right? It's essentially like COVID's been an exclamation point on that on that style of investing, right? I'm going to buy social media firms, right? Like it's, you know things that didn't exist ten years ago, 
I mean, essentially came up, you know, 2007, 2008, like the stuff that just wrote smartphone. Uh, I'm going to buy, you know, subscription software. I'm going to buy cloud infrastructure, right? Uh, I'm going to buy EVs, so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, EVs, we, we can say still much earlier in, in the cycle of adoption. But if you take all these things together and like that's been essentially the focus. It's like, this is what worked. And that's why I'm crowded into this streaming, right? We've, we've spent enough time talking about that. So you kind of lump it all together and, and, and you end up with where we're at. It's just like, when were, when, when were the, the next 10 years a photocopy of the last 10? Particularly from an investing standpoint. And I can't find a single example, right? So historical reference, uh, as boring as it may sound, you know, it is the best you really have as an indicator because things will look different, but in many senses, they are the same, right? Like if people don't want to compare a SaaS to an on-prem software business uh, 20 years ago, people don't want to compare like, you know, EMC and Cisco uh, to a cloud business, public cloud business. But I mean, very similar components when you think about it from, you know, utility or infrastructure. So when we look at just maybe a last question on this, and then if we want to touch on any other names before we go, the like Facebook, arguably that's that's sort of what we see as their example, right? They put up twenty percent growth revenue wise in Q four. 37 for the year. So relatively already that's a deceleration. And then they say this 8% number or whatever it is, is the midpoint. Yeah, three to three to eleven. Three to eleven, which is yeah. So seven at the midpoint. So quick, you know, not a super exciting range. Even if you can, you know, we already talked about it's at a seven percent free cash flow yield before you net out reality labs, whether or not you feel you can do that. Like that's sort of like when we're talking about this grinding to a halt, sort of this transition from things are going well into 2001 to all of a sudden they're not. Like even some of the other warnings we saw, Peloton, more or less the same, but Peloton so weird, not weird, but just like so obviously thrown into the pandemic blender. DocuSign. I forget what they lowered it down to like the 20% range, which was not that dramatic. Like how did, is, is the, when you look at an AWS slowing down, it's because is like, what, what causes it to really not crash? I don't want to use the word crash, but really take a big step down in growth rather than this sort of, you know, it's so easy to model. Well, it's 20%, then it goes to 18% and so on. Like, why is it, what is the I mean, effect look, for the here? 12, for the last 12 months, it was like a step up, right? Like it's incrementally increased. And there was like a little bit of like, let's call it, uh, I mean, COVID was kind of consistent for the first year, but I mean, you, you, you did gain some momentum uh, just as anybody, right? I mean, it's usage-based and consumption, uh, which is <laughs> part of the story, which is you know, a derivative of what's going on with like, I mean, a lot of the customers are like, these online businesses, right? So all of them had 
a ramp up in, in 2021 uh, based on momentum that occurred in 2020. And, you know, you, you see that in their, in their, in their numbers and that's, you know, probably played a big part in the uptick. As for what like would cause it, like there's, I mean, it's already looks like it's probably going to be like, if it was just to follow kind of like a trend, right? Like it grows maybe like mid twenties this year, right? From 40% last year, like what could cause it to be growing less than that? I mean, you know, that's a slowdown in business investment spending, right? On tech. Uh, trends where consumption online, you know, is it's flatlined, i.e. pandemic ending, right? That could be a big factor. I mean, again, it's a, it's a, it's a very consumption-driven business. It doesn't take much to move that needle. So a lot of these smaller startups, you know, kind of shutting down operations, right? I, I mean, like, that doesn't happen the private markets haven't even really had a reset yet, right? From a valuation standpoint. So, I, I mean, like that's kind of, you know, bullshit. Like it's just on paper. Uh, so it's fine. Like people don't really want to mark things down yet. But I mean, you're going to go from that to, you know, hearing more about businesses closing, right? And when they do, the last thing they're going to cancel is their AWS bill. Right, you know, it is the ultimate laggard. So, I mean, uh, they may find ways to spend less uh, if they can, but I'm sure it's the last place they'll look. I think the first place they'll look to spend less is, you know, online advertising. And that's essentially what you're doing if, like, you're having a harder time raising money. So you're gonna you're gonna try to dial those things down and just continue to serve existing customers. But you're going to get to a point where like you're looking for a sale and you're trying to extend, you know, whether it's another round or a sale, right? You're going to try to extend uh, the cash you have and it will come out of just about everywhere but AWS. And then at the end, it's AWS, right? So like, that's the way you got to look at it. I mean, it's very different from 2000 when they just kind of like go bust and like you put your, you know, Sun fucking web server up for sale on eBay, right? And uh, you see the reverberations in that market. I mean, here, like, you kind of dodge that capital exploit, and this goes back to when you compare AWS. Like, AWS is amortizing, or sorry, like let's just call it depreciating the uh, the servers over now. What they announced like five years, uh, and network equipment to six in terms of useful life. So like, I mean, kind of goes back to like a lot of time spent on Netflix, what's your cash content cost? And, you know, a lot of the focus here is that, I mean, the profits look great, right? Because you're spending a ton upfront when you're in growth mode, adding capacity, and then you're depreciating that equipment over six years. So like what you essentially need is, is cash flow to catch up, free cash flow to catch up with, with operating earnings, which is like part of the focus of the Netflix store, right? I mean, cash content spend versus like, you know, very healthy margins and people debating, you know, what's the useful life of content, 
right? And that's where you like how you amortizing your content. So, I mean, I don't really think that there's anything like that you'll see, but like there's a negative wealth effect to every asset bubble burst. And I, I would just say, I mean, part of the focus of that piece, you know, it's not 1999, is that like, don't be looking backwards. <laughs> you know, the, the hard part here is to forecast, you know, 12 months out. Like, that's what you should be thinking. Like, you, you definitely shouldn't be thinking that there's no economic damage uh, and like no wholesale kind of impact that you're going to see from this decline in the market and uh, the end of COVID, right? Like you're gonna see it. It's just a question of like, what, like how big is it? I mean, remember like 2001, like they also got hit with 9-11, right? So like they were going through a bust and then there was like this just, you know, other, it was like another external shock at the end of it that, obviously exacerbated things, you know, uh, maybe, maybe made it, uh, maybe postponed, whatever you want to call it, that, uh, that recovery or finding that bottom in an in investment that took like another, you know, year and a half. But like, in this case, like you kind of look at it and you're just like, you know, we, we had such a huge tailwind. It's very hard to gauge like, what is like what what is going to be the non-trend impact and then what is trend afterwards? Like how much is that pull forward, you know, wreak havoc in the next two years? That's the problem with the pull forward. I mean, you can look at some of these charts. If you look at Netflix, it's like almost like awkward, right? Outperformance in in 2020 is like the same from a week to week basis is like the same underperformance versus 2019, right? For 2021. Like it's just like the, almost an identical gap. So, I mean, how many businesses push up against that? And then like, yeah, that, after that, it's like the long-term thinking. Like, I don't think anyone has wanted to change. Nobody wants to change the long-term thinking at the end of 10 years, right? Like. That's the problem with an asset bubble. Like it comes after a very, like a sound investment thesis. You know, like, I mean, this was such a focus of that, of that write-up that like, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, I get no respect, right? That 90s get no respect. Nobody talks about like the fact that the best performing stocks and like, you know, NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange history occurred in that decade, right? Nobody's like, I need, I want to chase an EMC or a Dell, right, type performance for 10 years. It's just forgotten. It's totally forgotten. All you talk about is 1999. And 1999 in and of itself, like how many times do I even read really good fund managers being like, this is, you can't compare it to this because we have real companies, right? Like those, <laughs> there are so many real companies. Like if you think about it, pets.com, you know, raise like $70 million, right? Which if, if you consider where valuations got in 1999, five, 600 billion, you know, with one third the global GDP of today, uh, like 70 million was a drop in the well, right? 
Like, and if you factor in a lockup, like this thing had what, a couple hundred million dollar valuation for a few weeks and just went straight down, right? Like people focus on that. They don't focus on, you know, the $300 billion companies that were very liquid, uh, you know, who, who were growing consistently for 10 years and very profitably, most of them. And, 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 and kind of look at what happened to them, like what changed. I think that's part of the challenge is that like, the, like if you actually want to sit here and look at a past decade and objectively analyze like what you can take away from it, like people look at today and they're just like, oh, I could have paid this much for service now and still done well, right? Yeah, like that's the early days of cloud, right? So you know, just like the early days of software or, or internet infrastructure, or the PC, you know, those are good compares, but like those compares can get you into serious fucking trouble, right? Like if the next 10 years don't look like the last 10, like all these businesses are going to grow revenue, right? Like that's not like, I mean, these, the, the secular trend is, has its own momentum that carries over. And just as it did out of like, you know, 2000 to 2010, right? I mean, Microsoft grew revenue every single year, right? Like, it's not like, it's not like that was an issue. And like decently, you know, like you had like eight to 10% revenue growth. So I think it's, uh, I think it's something that, uh, you know, people, people don't consider when, they look at stuff today and they're like, oh, the internet's going to stop or, you know, we're not like, we're not going back to writing on paper. Right. And like, that's, that's not like, that's not, that, that's not what was embedded in these valuations at the end of COVID. Right. I mean, what made Cisco worth 70% less was the next 10 years, not like the next, like the 15 months of uh, the dot-com bust. Which, yeah, which is what sort of makes this such an interesting time. Um, do you want to take any last shots on a um, couple names? Well, we, that... can talk about, we can talk about the market in general. Like, so I think there's an important setup here, which has you know, been ongoing. And it was like, you know, part of why I covered my shorts, you know, almost two weeks ago. Well, What's I mean, that? It was exactly two weeks. So. What's the setup that you're referring to? I mean, basically what we've been discussing here, right? So like you have a bunch of names that fall 50 to 70% in three months. And like, you know, they're going to be reporting kind of a very backwards looking, uh, I'd say the vast majority. There will be, you know, a few guys who like, you know, give you that early indication where like a Facebook does, does talk a little macro. Uh, but they're going to be reporting numbers that like are, are going to reaffirm theses, right? Because they, like not, they uh, haven't transitioned. The, the effects aren't yet in the, in the financials for them. Yeah, I mean, like we just said, the last thing you're going to cancel is an AWS bill. So like if you think about everything else that goes into that, right? Whether if you've got software engineers that you're employing and you're paying, you're paying Atlassian or you got sales guys and you're paying Salesforce and 
so on and so forth, right? So, I mean, when you think about uh, the utility, the tools for technology, uh, for for a technology worker at a at a startup technology company, like you, you're 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 going to have to wait <laughs> to see the impact of like this negative wealth effect phenomena <laughs> that has just occurred. And then there's just a capacity cycle, right? Like we've been playing catch up. I mean, that's been part of COVID, you know, and like we've discussed this for other stuff. And I mean, there's some pieces that I'm playing where, you know, like there's still infrastructure upgrades that are going to continue throughout the year uh, and into say, and into 2023 for some players, right? So you need to factor those in when when you're looking at the grand scheme of things. But like you do have this, this COVID, you know, question mark on what a deceleration across the board looks like in, in let's say, business investment and IT spending. And when do we start hearing more about that as like something that was measurable? And I think that's a back half of this year thing into the front half of 2023, right? So I think this quarter, there's still like some uneasiness uh, from the market drop but like you're not going to see it like you're going to see the same type of message out of ceos that you saw in in 2000 at any other cycle right these trends are intact it's you know transformational and this is going on for for forever right without really quantifying it i think next quarter you have uh, a potential better setup for people to get more confident because like if three months pass and like you're still, you know, reporting solid, uh, and like they can't quantify any sort of like deceleration yet, like you could see some names, you know, retest their highs, like like crazy shit like that can happen, right? I mean, there was a lot of names that made new highs well after the Nasdaq crashed in tech because their businesses were strong, you know. Their businesses were still ramping in, in many cases, you know, through early 2001. So, and like they, they were reluctant to say, I mean, even though there were signs throughout the entire year of uh, problems in IT spending, right? Like they didn't, they didn't have any reason to believe it because it's not showing up in their business yet. And because a lot of, a lot of these companies, you know, had really good momentum. So that creates this, an interesting dynamic in the market where like, it's very hard to short anything here, right? You're basically, I mean, basically the point is that they might, suck a, they might suck people in for a little bit longer because not, that makes it sound more diabolical, but you, you, there's still enthusiasm and reason for there to v- validate and confirm enthusiasm that you might can't forecast something that hasn't happened, right? So, like, why would anybody like look at it differently and be like, "Hey, it's definitely around the corner." Like, well, how do you know? You can't predict the future, right? Well, historically speaking, this is kind of what, what, what how it plays out, and that kind of creates this environment where it's very appealing to trade, right? With a long bias. Uh, if, if you want to focus on the names that have been hammered because you get huge moves, right? 
I mean, you can have 50% swings in, in, in stocks in very short time period. Forget like a Snapchat group. Like, I mean, I've traded some stuff recently that moved like 25, 30% in a couple of days and like your long names for, you know, six months and like the price has changed by like 2%, right? And like your like your like goal is to, is to make twenty percent return on, and then like you know this stuff is just stuck in front of you where you're like oh, this can pop forty percent and still be down sixty, right? And by the way, I'm pretty confident that like people have gotten too pessimistic. I mean like Snapchat being a classic example, right? Like they give you a guidance, uh, even Pinterest with the you know negative user growth. And uh, you're just like, okay, this is this is great, but like, when when you look at that dynamic, you're just like, yeah, but do, like, do, is it more likely that ne- these names have more headwinds throughout the rest of the year or less? You know, I mean, just like a Netflix, like, is it more likely that the like the momentum in in, in streaming is a 2022 headwind? or a tailwind. So you have a lot of these businesses where you're just looking at it and you're like, I, I mean, I, I see sequential headwinds increasing quarter after quarter after quarter, but you have like a huge drop and some of them are gonna be still posting numbers that accelerated from the past quarter and everyone's been investing with that thinking. So they immediately pile in and you know, like, oh, wow. Like, you're trained to expect that like a business that falls 70% like should be about to give you some bad news. When it doesn't, it throws things off. Yeah. So like that sets up a great, a great time to be long when really the best time to be long as an investor, right. Is when you can either make a valuation defense and like for most of these names, you can't, right. Like you can make a valuation argument if you're talking Facebook or, or, or Twitter or, or Pinterest and some of these internet names, and you can start to talk about like, you know, not thinking about these these names within the context of one quarter, right, or two quarters, or even this whole year, right? Thinking about these names in the context of three years, and like, what's the, what what kind of margin of safety do you have uh, for how these businesses are executing, and like your willingness to kind of take the take the headwind here because you don't want to overinvest in, let's say, you know. Uh, parts of the economy that are right now experiencing COVID, like accelerating COVID tailwind, right? Like energy, okay? Or, you know, shipping for goods or uh, some parts of, you know, food, Tyson's food today, for example, right? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of these, there's a lot of, I mean, anything tied to travel, right? Like I was looking at Uber. I was thinking about buying some Uber this week into earnings. I don't, I haven't done any real work on the name in ages. And you're just like, huh, you know, like this year is probably going to get better, right? Uh, like I thought Maps.com had an interesting setup like, like that, right? Like they kind of reported this like negative quarter, but they're like, you know, our base case is this and summer of love. And, uh, uh, you know, talking about the fact that, like, they see they see a scenario where metrics kind of just sequentially pick up quarter after quarter for, for the rest of the year. 
right? And people and like, that's like that's like that's how a growth investor typically invests, right? I mean, that's typically how any investor invests, right? You don't, like you want to buy a business where you have a sense that the next twelve months get better, and COVID's kind of created like a bunch of businesses that have just fallen like a lot, you know, significantly. But like let's say we're maybe improperly valued across the board, where the incentive to own them on on operational momentum is like, hey, we just like we peaked in Q2, right, of last year, for like advertising, right. So I'm not going to be getting bigger number. Facebook is not going to grow operating for this year, right? I'm like, that's not the story I'm going to get in behind. Like, you want to buy a company that's going to grow EPS, right? Twenty percent or so. Like, if you're if you're paying a multiple and you're saying, hey, I'm getting this like nice free cash flow yield. Now maybe they do some financial engineering. Maybe like things kick in and like, and like that's how some investors will think about it. But like, yeah, I mean, Ackman buys buys a Netflix, you know, after it gets you know, shellac because like he's probably thinking about holding it for the next three or four years. Right. And I'm sure he like at this point, like he doesn't think he bottom ticked it, you know, permanently. Maybe he does uh to some extent, but like, I mean it's very possible you buy any one of these names at the end of this year at the same at or close to the same prices of just like the recent January loads. Because enthusiasm then on the fundamentals is significantly less. At which point, like you get, you have a much better valuation argument, right? Because then they're more rationalized. Like you can sit here and you'll be like, oh, I still like the thesis on Cloudflare and Snowflake, but like, you know, if they move 50% in, 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 in 10 days, you know, after dropping, you know, 40, 50% in a couple months, a uh, hundred times sales to 50 times sales, and like, oh, they, you know, they, they put up an accelerated quarter, like that still doesn't change like the 10 year thesis very much, right? Like you didn't, like you didn't, like it didn't get dirt cheap. And I think in software, like, you know, if Salesforce is going to trade at seven, eight times sales now, like you have a very, you have a very challenging problem buying a name at, uh, at 40 and 50 times sales. Right? Like the, the multiple, the multiples continue to be a headwind for you. Uh, and they probably will be for the next few years. So unless you get a significant view rating where like I can buy service now at 10X, right? And that sets up kind of this opportunity where the things have really got in chief to jump in because some people are no longer confident. Like there's doubt. Like there's always a nice opportunity if, we have, if you have healthy doubt in the core thesis, right? Right now, for most people, the core thesis is the same. Like, they're still talking to you, like, oh, next five years, like, consensus is going to be wrong. Everyone grows faster, you know? And I'm just saying that there's a very considerable risk. And, and I mean, I was having this chat with one friend. I was like, what's the, what's the risk in sitting out this year and these things? You don't have to go, like, you know, pile in on, uh, uh, you know, an open up trade. Right, you don't have to become an energy maxi today and just be like, I'm gonna go buy Exxon Mobil. Exxon Mobil's up 33% year to date, right? Uh, you don't have to go in that route, but you can just be like, I'll sit these names out for the end of the year because COVID has just been so wild that like I couldn't anticipate, you know, 60% revenue growth and 100% property income growth in Google last year. 
I don't know. I'm not going to be able to anticipate like anything that could be potentially negatively surprising here because nobody can. So like, just wait till we have a better sense of what it looks like. And I think just kind of lapping, you know, the human behavior shift. And then like by the end of the year, you know, start investing again with a long-term horizon. The only thing I would say, and we can conclude with this is the, I think we sort of, hit that note last year quite a bit and actually you look at enough of these names and it was probably the right note to hit and but i think you know enough people will say well but cloudflare even though it's cut in half was still a big winner last year and you just don't know and that whole thing which gets back to the whole when do you actually sell and but yeah yeah i, mean, I think you have to have a view on how you value these things right i mean that's part of the like i, I think Across the board, that's what I haven't seen from more of the thematic gang. They're just like, I don't think about valuation. And it's just like, I, I think anybody who says that just really uh, not ever talk to any person about investment advice. Because you can just never make that statement. It's just a ridiculous statement to make. Uh, you're, you're Anytime you're buying anything, if it's growing fast, right? Like you think you got a very good deal on it. And you have reference points for what a very good deal looks like. You can, you can see what 10 years of, of, of X, Y, and Z business growing, you know, once it's at over a billion in revenue or what's still at 500 million in revenue uh, looks like. And you can compare unit economics. I mean, that's the other thing people just don't spend enough time on. Like there's some businesses that like, hey, revenue growth isn't the story anymore. Right. Like it's a mix of everything. I mean, just like this is like getting into an example around Facebook. I mean, we can, you know, you can look at it from a profit profitability standpoint and like the focus is shifted through revenue growth and, you know, competitive concerns. There's like you start like it's a it's a more sophisticated investing environment, put it that way. You got to kind of consider the totality of everything. Uh, you can't get overhyped on, you can't just be like, okay, you know, was AWS a trillion or is it 2 trillion? And is the rest of Amazon free? And you should like pull up a freaking, you know, 10K and compare it to everybody else who has a trillion dollar plus valuation. <laughs> it's like, you know, like you're paying, like you're, you're ahead of schedule on the financial model. Right? Like if you're putting it in the same categories as other businesses, uh, it has an advertising business that looks nothing like Google's profitability, right? It has a software business that looks nothing like the core, or what's it want? A cloud business that looks like nothing like the core uh, uh, cash flow profile of an application software company. You know, and I mean, and, uh, you know, it has a consumer business that, like, has huge numbers, but, like, it looks absolutely nothing like an Apple consumer business, <laughs> you know? Well, they generate $100 billion in free cash flow. So, like, you, you need to look, you, like, you need to dissect the financial model. And you need to ask yourself, if, if I'm going to pay less for this, this, and this, uh, I can't just be lazy with my thesis on that. Uh, on Amazon. I mean, you're probably going to win if you're holding it for another 10 years, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, 
it's a bet on the economy, but like you're not buying a mispriced asset today relative to other assets. Right. Which is sort of the name of the game. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's that's a pretty good note to leave it on. So good stuff. It's it really is a it's a market that we've been sort of anticipating to some degree or another for a while, and it's a very interesting one at that. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we head from in the month weeks weeks ahead as we finish this earnings season and beyond. So, good stuff, Akram. Always a pleasure, bro. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Short Man Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.